Welcome to the Crazy Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Violeta Kaminska, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Van Rijs. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hello. Today, we are chirping with our very special guest, Katie Glusica. Hi, Katie. Hi, Violeta. Katie Glusica completed her MFA in Fibers at the Savannah College of Art and Design and holds a BFA in Crafts from the Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. Katie has exhibited at the Smithsonian and Philadelphia Museum of Art, craft shows, the Mesa Contemporary Art Museum, and Design Miami. Her work is part of the SCAD permanent collection and many private collections. Her article, The Seen and Unseen, Weaving is a Metaphor for Wave-Particle Duality, was published in the MIT Press Journal Leonardo, which focuses on the overlaps of science and art. Currently, Katie lives in Savannah, Georgia, where she restores antique woven chair seats and Persian rugs, teaches weaves, draws, and writes in her studio. Welcome to the Crazy Bird Podcast, Katie. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. I met you in the park, and that seems to be a pattern for me that I really love, especially lately, where I meet very interesting people. I don't know that when I meet people, right? (laughs) But then once we start a conversation, I learn so much about the world, about myself, and about people I talk to. So I wanted to ask you a question. Probably we met a few weeks ago, and then occasionally or regularly we started seeing each other basically walking by. And then at some point we stopped and we, well, another person we met in the park introduced us. So there's this network, you know, people walking in the park and kind of becoming curious about each other because familiar faces, regular walks. The first time, like the strongest memory I have of meeting you was you trying not to pull your dog because he was very interested in the wildlife (laughs) around. (laughs) So I remember the puppy. Right. And then we we had a very interesting conversation. Um, Our friend, mutual friend, told me that you are an artist and um, that you are the fibrous artist. And I wanted to ask you about that. To be honest, I was not very familiar with that discipline. So maybe you could share a little bit, tell us what fibrous is as a discipline. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So... You, you may have come across the general idea of the field uh, in other areas as textiles. So some, some universities, the department is textiles. Fibers is used as the title of the department when, when it wants to be a little more all-encompassing in terms of what, what can come out of this field, right? So fibers is, in general, a collection of different processes that take lots and lots of little things and bring them into different orders and structures and patterns to create much larger unified objects. It's like a general way to think of it. So that can include uh, most people, if you use the word textiles, don't necessarily consider things like paper making, um, but that it, that falls under the dip department of and field of fibers, um, bookmaking a lot of times as well, um, just because of the nature of the techniques that have been used historically. Um, so, and again, even if you think of a book, how it is many pages of many words, of many letters, of language that comes together, and then is bound together with stitching and other fibers or cloth bound, cloth bound books even. Um, but that so the way the, the the sort of high level areas within fibers uh, 
are usually broken down as the first two sections. So we have fibers and then we have uh, techniques and processes that are structure-based and building cloth, actually. And then the other section broken out is surface design, surface decoration, things applied to cloth after it's been created. Um, and there are some techniques that combine the two where image building is part of the cloth making and tapestries, the best example of that, I think, um, where the structure, the, 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 the elements that, so let me start with defining tapestry um, is a, well, let me start by defining weaving, which is what my area, um, and the most important distinction, I think, in terms of, so, so now I've gone from fibers, we're over in structures, now we're in weaving, there are other structures we could talk about, but just um, talking about how weaving um, is a dual element process, right? So it takes uh, two, two sets, two sets of yarn, two sets of thread, uh, set at perpendicular angles so that they can interlace between them. And they're each set under different tensions. Uh, and that is in, say, op uh, as different from knitting or crocheting, which are single element processes in which one continuous thread intertwines and interacts with itself to create this larger object. Um, and then there are some different, then you can get into, well, why, why would you use one of those techniques to build cloth as opposed to any other? Um, there's time, time involvement uh, that you can think of in different ways and, and, and it relates directly to just the natures of the processes where if you think of one single element like yarn and you can just pick that up and you can just start intertwining it in your fingers and that's all you need to get going. But it takes a lot of time <laughs> to make, to amass a lot of cloth like that. Whereas weaving, when you start employing um, tension, as opposed to just the loose thread with little tension, so you have this overall tension, you can, the setup of that process takes a little longer than that just grabbing the thread and going. But once you get that setup, the, you can make cloth much, much faster and it's actually much more durable um, when it's all interlaced in a grid like that. Um, and then grids become something really, really important um, in, in weaving in particular and then that, that I would like to go into how, how do you build image and structure together at the same time in tapestry. And so in weaving, you have warp or the vertical elements, the vertical threads is how you can think of it in a cloth. And that's what goes on the loom and stays under tension is, is consistent. And then you bring in the weft and that interlaces over, under, over, under in different sequences. Um, to, to create that interlacing and those webs build on top of each of the other, creating an overall cloth. Now in tapestry, use a, what we would refer to as discontinuous web. So use one section of web that's one color and then you can switch into another color and create image while you're building structure using different color yarns as you build that cloth. And in tapestry, as opposed to um, say the, the cloth our jeans are made of, is, can, is where you're using the wefts to completely cover up the warps. So you don't see that crisscross pattern in the same way, it becomes a whole image. So now if you can kind of, if, if we're following along with the 
we've, we've got the vertical warps with the horizontal wefts, and we can imagine that that essentially is creating a grid, even though we're not seeing that at the end product of a tapestry. But if you then think of how a grid works, and we all know pixels now, um, and speaking to when I first went into fibers, you know, 15, 17 years ago, it was, you know, I didn't know anything about it either. Um, and I didn't know anything about computers either. We didn't use them the way that we do today. But now if I'm teaching about weaving and how you can understand it through today is pixels on a screen, right? So we can break that down. We know that there's a grid of colored dots that make this overall image. It's a bunch of little pieces broken down and then brought, you know, brought back together to make this whole image. And so you use that thinking principle when designing in tapestry and other cloth, but where each of those intersections of warp and weft become one individual point, like a pixel. When, when you have the idea of your overall design completed, you, you can even create what's called a cartoon and that image you just put behind your warps on whatever kind of loom you're using and use it as a guide to put your wefts in the certain colors in order uh, to build that image. But it's really uh, built out of this series of a whole bunch of curvilinear pieces uh, all networked together and make this really durable cloth because all the wefts completely cover that foundational warp thread. And then also you have this um, image that can communicate uh, whatever you want. So but, this was quite a description, and it's a, a description of a very complex process. You described it in a very condensed form and easy to understand. Okay, I'm glad, because it's hard to know sometimes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> of course, I complex. would have to... This gives me a better appreciation for the overall process, right? Because normally I would see the finished product, and I make an assumption of how it's made. But what really stood out to me when you were speaking, there were certain keywords that I would like to call them. Structure, pattern, network, time. So I think, and that, that makes me think of actually of your thesis and the article, the seen and unseen. Because literally, this is, you know, what we see as audience and what we, what we don't see, what, what it involved to create that piece. So the seen and unseen, weaving is a metaphor for wave particle duality. Duality was another keyword you mentioned. And I, if, I would like to read a couple of sentences written by you. And I'd like to ask you a few questions and maybe chat about it a little bit. So talking about time, uh, you said, since the beginning of civilization, the process of weaving has aided the human race in developing many systems and techniques. Weaving has been used literally and metaphorically to create systems that have helped to bring order and understanding to our cultures and societies. For example, the ancient Greeks expanded the weaver's right angle of warp and weft into a plan for city streets. And you also mentioned the grid. You maybe mentioned the grid when you spoke about the weaving process in a little bit different context. But to me, I'm a person who likes walking. And I really love walking in urban landscapes and I'm very interested in how cities have been developed. I really find it fascinating how certain cities, towns have been constructed. And of course, you know, at that time, when we talk about cities, we talk about architectural grid. 
right, the system. And sometimes there would be a radial pattern, like Paris, for example, right? There, there are there, we have Savannah, we have a squares, we have mm-hmm. squares, right? We have a perfect grid, <laughs> right? And then you know, you mentioned when you even started, when you went into fibers, you really didn't think much of computers at that time and pixels. But now we talk about smart grids. So, uh, cities are built on smart grids. We have different power sources, and we talk about smart grids. So even the concept of grid has changed. But I find it really fascinating how weaving, again, what we see, what we think of fibers weaving is not necessarily everything that it takes and involves. There was one more, I remember, sentence that really, it really stopped me for a second. You talk about uh, weaving as a metaphor and a system of understanding that can be applied to, you said, paradoxical situations encountered in daily life. Situations in which what we think to be true is confronted with a contradictory truth. Reading your writing took me completely to a different space, to a space when I didn't expect to go to. I really thought of an actual piece, visual piece where I started, and fibers, loom, and suddenly I was taking all those places and I realized it wasn't just about the visual art. It was linguistics because you use weaving as a metaphor, visual metaphor so much in your work. You even talk about science. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'd love to. And as I'm sure you know, anytime you write something and put it out there or, or we record this and then put it out there, as this thing, it then stays that thing. And you hope your intention comes across. And this is part of a a large conversation in the world of art and very interesting result of this connection that we've made to have sort of been just now confronted with this thing that I'm almost sometimes very afraid of in a a sort of silly way um, that maybe that really big idea that I really hoped people came away with after reading would be lost or missed or, you know, but to, to, I feel like you've really pulled out the the very meatiest parts, if you will, of, of what I was trying to get, get across about how do we think in this one thing that we, we understand very well, or, and, and for me as a weaver, but then this thing that's human, right? That every civilization for uh, all, all of us, all of us as humans came up with this and, and added our own um, variations and collectively, and I, I think this kind of speaks back to what is from a book the the idea is from and quoted from the book by uh, Richard Sennett and it's called The Craftsman it's a a really wonderful and interesting book I I would recommend but I won't go like too much into that but but that was where uh, he helped me start really thinking about that um and in that even you know where there's this very direct exchange of process and tactile knowledge that happens on a certain scale between humans that that then becomes a a collective building of knowledge and technology then and resources and connections so where where weaving is this very basic human thing that almost anybody can figure out with the most basic tools and and understand and then when you start each building on that, right? So now the weaving we have now, you have all of these steps and specific orders of process you have to get to to achieve it, but it represents or it reflects the this great accumulation of knowledge um, from all cultures and civilizations. Is that, I think, kind of ties into what, what we're talking about in terms of structure and orders and systems. Um, 
And so one of one of the I think where my mind first went that I I didn't have a, enough room in the in the paper or article to go into, but um, the one of in the early 19th century, uh, 1804 I think was when the jacquard loom was first developed in France, and it's a very special loom. It's it's a loom I particularly sought out in a graduate program to have access to um, because. It's not something many artists still have access to as long as it's been in use um, because the main purpose of it was to make cloth weaving uh, faster, right? So then more affordable for the masses closely, that invention closely related to the Industrial Revolution. And what it was was the first machine to use ones and zeros um, to train or binary code, let me put it that way, punch cards, not really ones and zeros yet, but punch card system to transmit information, right? So to transmit the, the pattern that the, they want to cre created, they put in the punch card, it's processed through the loom and create, and then the weaver is sitting there and creating the cloth. And that technology was borrowed directly then to develop the first early computing systems by Charles Babbage and Ada Lovelace. And that has directly then led to the computer and all the digital technology that we're using today that now connects us on the World Wide Web. And that's like such a direct um, <laughs> like line from weaving to systems, connections, networks, order, um, and chaos. <laughs> because, you know, again, and that speaks to like the non-duality is like what we see a lot on the interweb is a lot of chaos and promoting a lot of chaos. But like, you know, when we when we stop thinking of things as pure duality, like or dichotomy, you know, where it's this way or that way, black or white, but you know, where, where those are very useful tools for understanding the world, but they're not absolutes. They're not answers. They're not even, you know, they're very uncommon, really. Even those those like very um, great uh, polarities, and so. You know, now even there's, you know, things with quantum computing, which I don't really know anything about, except that one is also zero, you know, and that that's, you know, going further and further into this. And how do we um, sort of break out of, you know, it's kind of like these cycles of our own selves, uh, like it's it's not it's not pure structure or or chaos. And I think weaving is the best way to think of that, because it is this. It's a very human desire to bring order and structure and control. It helps us navigate. We need it, you know. Um, but learning how to create it for yourself through weaving and like the learning that process is a, a really special thing. And I, I, and and I, and while like not everyone is a weaver, it's still knowledge that is useful to everyone on on that human level. And and so to tie into what some of the, um, uh, the work I discuss in that article is about is in just how you're um, talking about that, you know, you're, we, we're trying to draw us in for this moment as artists, draw a, other people who maybe aren't seeing the world in this hyper state of um, observation is, is kind of how I think of it as an artist, one, one way to sort of <laughs> describe um, the artist's uh, way. Um, and so, where I, I came into this, all, all this information and, and, and learning how to apply that thinking to other areas when I wanted to make work, trying to like come from a less 
didactic pr approach than, than can happen sometimes, I think, when you want to get a, a, a big idea across in, in visual art. But I want to, so, so since the, the ideas I was, I'm talking about with non-dualities and structures, like these just exist, they're inherent in weaving. But the cloth that we use, which is now just, we have so much of it and te textiles of fashion industry, like when people say, well, what is fiber? It's, and and it, it's, it's a question I've had, you know, for the last 17 years and it, and it's like, well, it's the, the rug on the floor, it's the upholstery in your car, it's the, you know, shower curtain, it's the towel, it's the thing we're enclosing enclo ourselves in, in protecting ourselves with, like a second skin is often how it, it can be referred to. And so it becomes so ubiquitous in life that you, we don't even think about it anymore. We're, we're now, because of too much industrialization, we, we don't even know, you know, we don't understand labor, right? Because then that's another thing that like, is just such a huge part of fibers um, and weaving and, and is labor. And that's a, a big deal right now too, to think about. And so to remind people of that one thing that these objects that we all are connected to. And when, when, when I make work, it's kind of like cloth under a microscope in a way. So you, I make it on a certain scale with a certain amount of openness and a certain amount of beauty and uh, material intrigue or, or seduction. You could even say to, to get you up close take a look and you can see these things to be true for yourself, how they interlace that this is this grid. And, and I've had really satisfying conversations with people about when I've had an opportunity to be at an opening for an exhibition and, and they, they, they understand what they're looking at in a way that they don't when they look at their genes, let's say. So, so in that way, then you can start to connect that magic that really is the thing that made your genes um, with with the labor, with the with the the, the human history, with with everything, um, you know. But in in a way that allows a, a, like different tiers of conversation depending on people's interests. But but that anybody can get through that basic door of understanding cloth in a different way just by looking at it. Like even if I'm not there to talk about it, I, I think you can can achieve that. Um, uh, just you know with that visual language um, so that brings me to another question what is the process because obviously there is quite a sophisticated process from point mm -hmm. a to the final delivery but what is your process I know that you write and you draw and I remember an interview with you and you were mentioning that before you get to a physical work creating your art that's where you start with writing and drawing. Is that the typical way how you start or what does your own process entail? Um, yeah, I I think process is a very important thing to talk about, about pretty much everything. Um, because like you said, weaving is, a, a, there's a very, there are very specific sets of steps that you have to do in a certain order to get A to B to C to D, you know, and you know, if we think about it like, algorithms you know, it's a very popular and common thing but that's what that you know you do this to then do this and then do this and then do this to get this desired outcome and 
in a way, I think that my process is very, it's still that. Like, I, it's not specific to get to the desired outcome in the originating stages, but writing, when I use, when I say it, writing is an important part of the process, where we're talking about observing life in the park and how other things live. And, you know, the, these are the things that I'm observing and collecting throughout my life that then are pro being processed in, in my mind in usually a very a pretty unconscious way initially which then may come into contact with some other idea or um, you know whether it's wave particle duality that I may be reading about this thing that has nothing to do on the surface with textiles and then I'm thinking about this sort of mind-blowing idea that I just read but I'm sitting looking at the curtain that is a waffle weave and being like probably Eureka and that results in the jotting down of all those little connections that I just made right and and that that writing is even often more like a drawing in a way itself right like right now I've been making I make notes to help follow what you're saying you know and it's like I'll have a word and then an arrow to another set of words and then some other things, right? And so it, it's like drawing and writing and that's always been a big part of my um, sketching process, idea process. And, and then how that all sort of comes together and then takes on a visual form. And, and there may be some direct questioning to my brain about how does that look? Like, what does that idea look like? Or so, and, and then I think of, of something I definitely want to mention. So my work in restoration um, started when I was still an undergraduate. So I learned how to fix rugs pretty concurrently with learning to make textiles, right? So I was learning how to fix a weaving while learning how to weave. And I had learned already the basics of how to weave before um, getting this job at a a rug shop up in Richmond. Yeah. The, the approach to make to fixing something or restoring it is, while you're using the same skills, it's very different from um, how you think when you're making from scratch, like brand new. And so uh, something that stayed part of my process um, because it, it even, it first showed itself in when I was still an undergrad and I had a lot of weaving um, is, and textiles or fibers in general, they require sampling because you don't, you don't know all, there's so many variables, you can't predict all of them. And so most of the time, the best thing to do is make something small first or start a little bit of the weaving, see how it goes and make adjustments. And I was um, doing that. I was actually trying to represent a piece of loose leaf paper at the bottom of a tapestry and I had started it and I liked it, but I was missing the little dashed light blue element between the solid blue lines. And I was like, oh, that's what's missing. Um, but I, anyway, I, where my teacher, because of not having necessarily been trained in the restoration, um, was more akin to be like, okay, well, unweave it and reweave it, which is a huge part of learning and a very important life lesson. You told me that you mostly work in solitude. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Like you most, very often you work on your own and from the way you described, you know, the weaving, even the process. It seems to me that it is a very meditative process. And I wonder if you agree with that. And I wonder, you also mentioned before that almost weaving is like looking order, trying to find order in a very chaotic world we live in. Is that what weaving is to you? Is that almost like an escape into this a way of trying to figure out, find more organized, structured, you know, space? Uh, not just physical but also mental for you and another I would like to add to it you know right now 
we are all forced into a more solitary life because of pandemic. So I'm curious if that really affects you in your practice. Do you think that you're trying to find peace, peace of mind in your weaving? Or is it frustrating, actually, you know? Because I know myself, I would be very frustrated if things would not go right and I would have to unweave. I do have a, what I think of a particular, like, personal connection as like who who I already was as a person in the way my brain worked as a young student high, high school whatever when we're in not figuring out what, what we're gonna do next um I was a uh, very uh academics was no problem math all of these things I was pretty apt at writing um so but I I was also incredibly disillusioned pretty young in not a bad way but in a, a pretty freeing way um I had a fairly hands-off parenting for a high-level description and so when I was thinking about it it wasn't um no I didn't have a lot of injected ideas of like what I should do or what so for better or worse um when I finally took an art class in high school I I kind of didn't get it the way I got math or whatever reading or whatever it was that the other class you know I um you know I was kind of like what but I had a certain natural aptitude for the um skills for it right so I was like getting into it but I didn't really know what anyone was talking about that was really attractive really 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 attractive to me and I, I was it I, a challenge yeah mm -hmm. and I think it's something that we are sort of in our society and, and comes a lot from negative aspects of social media things that we are very challenge averse or something you know we're like in that make a mistake or like you know where I I was gonna get pretty bored I was getting bored you know and I was just illusional in a lot of ways and so surprise Katie's going to art school and then you know certain parameters come in um but nobody really cared or knew what that was and like, all right cool whatever and so um and I had some help in finding you know the school blah 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 there's some parameters for you know finances and and locations and things and you end uh, end up very fortunately in a place that has a crafts department you know the the first year of that program was this very rigorous four studios three academic classes and you know you're you're just go 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 um all foundational things and then you are also learning about the different departments so then i learned about crafts and then you have to apply at the end of that first year to the different departments uh, with the portfolio you created in the school. And I applied to painting and crafts and I got into both, but I I was like just really drawn to crafts. And I remember one of my foundation professors asking what I what I gotten into, what I decided, and I told him, and he told me then that I had a very crafty spirit. And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I liked him. He was really smart and funny and a good professor. And I was like, all right. And um, now I know 100% what he means. Um, but I think it, it relates to what the questions what you're asking, right? So I, I, I was fortunate enough to, to kind of follow my own nose for what really felt right. And so when I got into crafts and that first uh, semester I took, the introduction to textiles course of uh, the structure side of it. So we did tapestry weaving and felting and uh, basket making and, um, you know, things like that. I think those are all the things. But basically, when we did the tapestry weaving on a frame loom, I was hooked. And um, I just took 
every weaving class I could after that. And, and, and the, what it was, I think, and it, it is, um, I think the, the, that relationship between finding, um, what I think it is, it becomes a balance between the chaos and order and, and the desire to, 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 to eliminate all the chaos and pre make everything predictable. And that's very boring if you ask me. Right. So like weaving as, as opposed to like a, a mathematical algorithm or, you know, it's like where it's like, but, 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 but to get this, it's sort of like, Oh, we got that. Wow. You know, like that there's this, it's a little bit different, but it involves that same kind of thinking. Right. So the meditative parts for me are definitely in the, process that comes um leading up to when you actually sit at the loom and start producing the cloth and um there's a lot of counting a lot of repetitive counting um and patterns but this is something that's always been sort of natural to me but then to find this you know it does um you know, I, I meditative just, yeah, because it is very frustrating. It's going to be very difficult. There's like problems that you're solving. There's constant problem solving, which is really wonderful, but it can also be difficult. Um, but again, that, that time that it takes to make it, the time that these things can last when, when made under certain ways, like those things are, are bring really good things. And I think we like are learning that more and more in the results of the, the, of the results we're experiencing of our social trajectory, you know, like that um, making things that last is better, even if it's harder and takes more time. At the end of the day, cross-stitching or, or knitting, while you're kind of being able to have this physical act that is producing something you're connected to that other people will be connected to is, is very human. And in this, the state of things a lot that right now I think is more more important than than ever and um so I think my life being built around this thing has has brought brought me a lot of those things like finding some semblance of orders mm -hmm. or connection what we're really talking about and I think that's podcast. what's happening really right now you know everybody is trying to find something for themselves at least quite a few people I know have been doing that, trying to engage, actually working with their hands mm -hmm. in a kind of form of art, creativity, and even people who do not consider themselves artists or creatives, but just trying new things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for all of us to find those moments of stillness or slowing down and trying to put our minds, mind in a little bit quieter space. Mm -hmm. Because right now it seems like the times are really challenging and it's very difficult yeah. to sometimes to move through the day without some sort of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that for you, it's definitely weaving. You found that. But yes, for other, it can be anything, gardening or like you said, oh. maybe knitting. I know you mentioned uh, projects you're involved in right now. Where our um, listeners can find your work, read about your work, look at your work and learn more about you. Could you share with us? My web presence is 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 pretty much um, easy to find. Uh, my name is Katie Klusika. Um, Instagram, you know, I, I, you can keep track of what projects are going on and see the scope of work. Thank you for educating me. Thank you, Violetta, for, for creating this podcast and meeting me and inviting me i'll see you in the park i'm sure yeah looking forward to it thank you okay thank you
Thank you for listening to the Crazy Bird Podcast. The Crazy Bird Podcast is hosted by Violeta Kaminska and Matt Van Rijs. Our guest for this episode was Katie Glusica. You can find Katie online at katieglusica.com and at katieglusica on Instagram. Our theme music is inspired by Tambourine by French composer François-Joseph Gossec. The improvisation is performed by Agnieszka Kowalik. Nature recordings were recorded by Violeta Kaminska. This episode was edited and produced by Violeta Kaminska.